How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Thermo Diet Podcast. This is a solo podcast today. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about digestion. So this is a problem that I've seen uh, consistently throughout the Thermo Diet group that people tend to struggle with, especially as they're coming from different kind of extremist type of diets, whether it's being strictly plant-based or maybe extremely carnivore. Um, this is something that is very consistent that a lot of people tend to struggle with. So I think I uh, will talk a little bit about that today. So um, whenever it comes to digestive problems, usually the root cause is going to be like a low metabolic state. And so this is usually a underperforming thyroid that leads to the inability for the digestive system to function optimally. Um, simply because a lack of energy production is going to lead to um, sympathetic dominance. And then that sympathetic dominance is going to revert a lot of the priority to survival, mainly expediting blood to the muscles in the brain and not allowing it to go to certain areas of the body that are necessary to um, promote the progression of longer term life. And so it's more of an immediate survival mechanism rather than a long term survival mechanism. And so, um, whenever we have blood reverted away from the digestive system, um, then we begin to have less nutrient availability to the digestive system and the functioning of the digestive system begins to degrade. And so whenever we have an underperforming thyroid, we have the inability to produce energy. And then we're also more susceptible to the effects of the stress hormones, specifically estrogen, cortisol, and adrenaline. And so the main thing that we need to focus on whenever we're looking to increase the health of the of the digestive system is to make sure that our thyroid is functioning optimally and that we have proper metabolic functioning. But whenever it comes to the digestive system um, and how it works, I think that we need to start with the psychology of eating. Um, so this is very interesting because the psyche plays a crucial role in our ability to properly digest a lot of the food uh, that we come into contact with. And so whenever we're looking at, um, for instance, if you don't look forward to the meal that you're about to eat, then it hinders our body's ability to produce certain enzymes and begin to produce stomach acid and things like this. Instead, whenever you look forward to the meal that you're eating, you begin to have um, an increase in saliva production, which is going to allow for more salivary enzyme production, things like amylase, which is going to break down um, larger chain molecules, and then things like lysozymes, which actually breaks down um, bad bacteria in the mouth before it actually gets into uh, the system. This is very important. And then also, whenever you look forward to the meal that you're about to be eating, uh, you begin to increase the amount of stomach acid that is in the stomach, which leads to better breakdown of proteins and things like that. And so making sure that we sit down, that we take a deep breath before we um, actually begin eating and uh, look forward to what we're eating and begin to practice positive emotions, that's going to have a direct response on our physiological ability to actually uh, break that meal down properly and assimilate it into the body. After you've gotten the psychology of eating right, then we need to uh, pay attention to mastication. 
So mastication is very important, otherwise known as chewing, um, because uh, one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is stress eating. So this is basically just the rushing of eating to get through a meal so you can move on to something else. And this leads to larger molecules going into the system and then puts more stress on the digestive tract uh, because it has to break down larger molecules in areas where it's not supposed to break down molecules that are that large. And so making sure that we um, chew to uh, entirety, so making sure that we chew food until it is liquid or as close to liquid as possible, number one, it's going to allow for all the enzymes like amylase and lysozymes uh, to come into contact with that food. And so whenever it comes into contact with that food, then we can begin to have the proper breaking down process. Um, and then whenever we actually swallow that food, it then enters into the stomach. And then the stomach has uh, mainly pepsin and HCl, which is hydrochloric acid. And then that hydrochloric acid and pepsin, as well as I think there's a little bit of trypsin in there as well that helps break down the protein molecules into amino acids. And then um, from the stomach, it goes into the small intestine. And so the small intestine releases sodium bicarbonate to inactivate the um, hydrochloric acid. And so from there, we have where this is actually where most of the nutrient assimilation uh, comes into play. And so whenever you enter into the small intestine, you have a uh, some more uh, enzymatic reactions that happen. You also have, uh, so you have the release of different kinds of pancreatic enzymes. You have the release of different kinds of bile salts um, and emulsifiers that help make uh, fat water soluble so it can enter into the bloodstream and be carried around um, to the different tissues in the body and be carried to the liver so it can be metabolized properly. Um, but then also we begin to, uh, so we have inside of the small intestine, we have villi and microvilli, which are the little uh, finger-like cells that line uh, the inside of the intestine that hold uh, different enzymes and different molecules that allow for the assimilation through the gap junctions, which are uh, basically... Um, this is one of the reasons that intestinal inflammation causes a lot of problems with people is because the gap junctions actually begin to open up more whenever we have intestinal inflammation. And then um, this excessive gap within these gap junctions leads to larger molecules being um, released into the bloodstream. And then we have an autoimmune response. So this is why a lot of people tend to um, be intolerant to things like uh, gluten, for instance, is because um, gluten is a very large molecule. And whenever it gets into the system, it causes an autoimmune response because the body think, thinks that it's under attack. And so um, in order to prevent that, we need to decrease the amount of intestinal inflammation that is happening uh, specifically within the small intestine so we can mitigate the amount of larger molecules that are getting into the body. So making sure that we downregulate intestinal inflammation by eating things that are high in glycine, high in proline, and other pro-metabolic amino acids um, from sources such as collagen, bone broth, gelatin, um, those are all going to have a significant impact on our ability to um, basically bring those gap junctions back together. But anyways, so most of the nutrient assimilation happens uh, in the small intestine, and um, after and then, so mo the from the small intestine we have the portal vein, and so the portal vein carries most of the nutrients 
to the liver to where it can be metabolized and um, basically shuttled around the body properly. And then from uh, the small intestine, we enter into the large intestine where the microbiome is. The microbiome is the basically like the bacterial makeup um, of the species of bacteria that are within the uh, large intestine. And so these bacteria are very important for things like vitamin K production, um, different fat-soluble vitamins, different kinds of um, you know, important nutrients like butyric acid, acetic acid, things like that, that are necessary for optimal uh, metabolic health. And so if we don't have the proper ratio of positive gram bacteria and negative gram bacteria, um, then we, then the microbiome is going to be thrown into dysfunction. And then our ability to create a lot of those different nutrients within that um, are going to be downregulated, and then we're also going to have an excess of different kinds of neurotransmitter production because um, things like serotonin are actually produced inside of the gut, and so ninety uh, percent of serotonin is actually produced inside of the gut, and so we need to make sure that whenever we look at the balance of bacteria within the microbiome, it's we want it to be more favorable towards the positive gram bacteria because the negative gram bacteria within the outer shell of the gram negative bacteria we produce uh, what is or those bacteria produce what is known as lipopolysaccharide this is also known as endotoxin whenever we have an excess of endotoxin um, it can get into the peripheral tissues and then it also tends to lead to an excessive production of serotonin which also gets into the peripheral tissues and then we see things like um, an increase in insulin resistance, an increase in diabetes, an increase in waist circumference. Um, people have also uh, noted uh, anxiety, uh, sometimes even depression because um, of the intimacy of those neurotransmitters and the endotoxin in the peripheral tissues. And then that can also lead to an imbalance of uh, neurotransmitter production within the brain too because the um, serotonin in the brain are connected via uh, the vagus nerve, and so they're constantly getting feedback from each other. And um, if we have an excess of something, the feedback loop is going to downregulate the amount of production in the brain, and then the serotonin that's in the peripheral tissues is going to be carried to the brain, and then we're going to get too much in there. And so we need to make sure um, that we mitigate that as much as possible. And so um, another benefit of the positive gram bacteria is that it can actually deactivate endotoxin before it gets into the system, and it tends to produce less serotonin. And so if we can get rid of the gram-negative bacteria, that's going to be more favorable. So some of the things that we can do in order to mitigate that is... Um, a raw carrot salads. Carrots, whenever they're in the ground, they have to have these antifungal and antibacterial properties that um, allow them to fight off bacteria that's trying to attack them within the soil. And so it has this same mechanism uh, within the digestive tract. And so the fibers within the carrot, specifically whenever the carrot is raw, you can also use the fiber from well-cooked bamboo shoots. Um, this is going to not only attach to different stress hormones like estrogen that are secreted into the digestive tract and prevent them from being reabsorbed, but it's also going to attach to some of the gram-negative bacteria and help pass it through the system. Um, it also helps with transit time. So um, eating a, a raw carrot a day or a couple raw carrots a day or even some 
well-cooked bamboo shoots is going to allow for a higher rate of transit time. And this is very important because we want to mitigate um, the amount of reabsorption of those stress hormones. And then if um, the transit time is not timed properly, then we can begin to reabsorb um, endotoxin and things like that towards the end of the large intestine. And so it's very important that we make sure that we have regularity within the system as well. Coconut oil actually has some really cool antiviral and antibacterial benefits. Um, and then things like uh, ACV, apple cider vinegar, is going to be very good for helping um, eliminate some of the endotoxin and promote a more um, favorable microbiome composition. Activated charcoal is actually another really good chelator. So activated charcoal can attach to a lot of the different heavy metals that are in the system, things like mercury, aluminum, and pass them from the system. So we have less toxic buildup from heavy metals, but then also it tends to attach to the gram-negative bacteria and help pass that from the system. And then it downregulates the amount of endotoxin production and serotonin that's going to be produced in the gut. Um, and then uh, outside of that, things that you can do to promote regularity are um, walking. So walking for around 60 minutes a day actually allows for the sensors that are within the body to promote peristaltic uh, contraction. And so peristaltic contraction is simply the contraction of the digestive tract to push the waste um, in the digestive tract through uh, in its entirety. There's actually a study that shows that so um, most Americans have an average transit time of three days, which is um, absolutely absurd, uh, or absolutely absurd. I guess that would make a lot more sense. But um, so usually you want an average transit time of around 12 hours, okay? So this is going to allow for um, not only the less uh, buildup of toxic waste within the system, but then you're also going to have the alleviation of pressure within the intestinal wall, which is going to lead to things like uh, if you have too much pressure on the intestinal wall, you're typically going to experience things like headaches, um, bloating, and just uh, overall discomfort um, within the system, which can degrade um, overall uh, well-being. And so we want to make sure that our transit time is uh, optimal because of that, but then we also want to make sure that we're preventing the reabsorption of a lot of these toxins. So walking can help promote regularity. And then um, making sure that you eat the raw carrot a day is also going to promote regularity. And then um, optimizing thyroid function is going to promote regularity because whenever we have an underperforming thyroid, we have the we don't have the ability to properly regulate water within the system. And so we're, co we're constantly passing water. That's why we tend to pee a lot more often whenever the thyroid is underperforming. And so this um, inability to hold on to water or to retain water um, leads to less water availability to the digestive tract. And so if we have less water availability in the digestive tract, it tends to dry up and it tends to basically back up the system. And so you have constipation in a lot of cases, um, or you can have an excess of water in the digestive tract, and then this leads to excessive diarrhea, and then we don't have the ability to properly assimilate the nutrients that we're supposed to be taking in. And so this can lead to micronutrient deficiencies over time. So you either have the passing of nutrients too quickly from the system, or you have um, the reabsorption of toxins from the system uh, because of the inability for water to kind of soothe that process. I would say that 
those are probably the biggest ideas whenever it comes to digestion is just making sure that the microbiome composition is optimal, making sure that you are regular. So if you're not going at least one time a day, one good time a day, um, then I would start taking the steps to um, kind of set up a regular pattern. And so making sure that you're getting around 60 minutes of walking a day to promote um, the peristaltic contraction, making sure that you're getting in a raw carrot a day or um, some well-cooked bamboo shoots, uh, making sure that you supplement with a little bit of activated charcoal for around one to two weeks. Um, you don't want to do it for a prolonged amount of time because if you do it for a prolonged amount of time, it can lead to micronutrient deficiencies because it also tends to attach to different minerals in the system. But then also uh, making sure that you chew your food thoroughly, making sure that whenever you look um, whenever, before you begin eating a meal that you look forward to that meal. Um, so you can begin to properly produce different kinds of enzymes and uh, stomach acid, and then making sure that you're not doing anything that is going to promote intestinal inflammation. So making sure that you avoid polyunsaturated fatty acids, making sure that you avoid foods, foods that are very, uh, fibrous. So foods that are very high in fiber. So, the human body lacks the ability to produce the enzyme cellulase, which is used to break down cellulose, which makes up the cell wall uh, within these very uh, fibrous plants. And so making sure that we avoid that, or if we do eat them, that we cook them very thoroughly uh, to break down uh, that cellulose that is within them so we can kind of uh, prevent the fermentation process that happens within the gut and promotes gram-negative bacteria um, and uh, helps to um, promote regularity as well. It also tends to break down the goitrogen content within a lot of those different plants. Um, but we can also avoid them in their entirety and still be perfectly okay. That's really all I got. This one was kind of a rambling, but I hope you got some tips in there. Um, if you have any questions, make sure to hit me up in the Thermo group. Uh, make sure to follow us on YouTube, Spotify, um, pretty much anywhere that you can find a podcast. We're on there, so make sure to check it out, and I'll talk to you next time. Have a good one.